calls of the Russians, they set Magnum up. Magnum TA was stripped of the United States heavyweight title. It's a shame it happened. I think a lot of it had to do with Nikita, especially they set him up with that press conference where Nikita insulted Magnum's mother. And, you know, Magnum just would not take that because Magnum's mother is such a, a part of his life. That's right. He's the driving force behind him. Well, Magnum went after Nikita, went over the table, and you know what happened there. Then tell him. Well, then Bob Geigel had a rebuttal, had a reprimand he read on behalf of the NWA. Let's go to that tape. As a result of a recent press conference between the United States heavyweight champion Magnum TA and Nikita Koloff, the NWA president Bob Geigel and Magnum TA have been brought together for a very important announcement from the National Wrestling Alliance concerning the United States heavyweight champion. The board of directors of the National Wrestling Alliance has reviewed an incident that took place at a press conference for contract signing between United States heavyweight champion Magnum TA and challenger Nikita Koloff. It is a majority opinion of the board of directors that the conduct of Magnum TA, the United States title holder, was not in accordance with the standard of conduct that the National Wrestling Alliance would expect from a champion. Although it has been noted that there was some strong language in the part of Nikita Koloff, the challenger. There will be no fine. There will be no suspension. But for the record, let it be noted that this is an official reprimand for the United States champion Magnum TA for conduct unbecoming a champion. Well, just wait a minute now. You forget about the U.S. Heavyweight Championship. Forget about the whole NWA. This is my mom here. This is family. That's different. That's got to deserve some kind of other consideration. What would you have done if it had been your mom out there? Tell me that. The United States champion is expected to keep himself in good conduct at all times. Let that be noted. Well, reprimand this. <laughs> Nation Wrestling. Welcome to episode number 51 of NWA Crock and Roll. And yes, I am your host, Sean Kidd. And we are finally back to our timeline. Uh, for me personally, I have not recorded for this show since uh, I think early June, uh, way back in episode 45. So through the miracle of editing and then Schiff and I talking about our trip to Nashville with our guest tonight who happened to be with us, uh, we were able to make it through number 50. And here we are, number 51 where we are finally going to talk about June 86, where we are one month away from the bash, and a lot of what we're watching tonight is the build to the bash. But before we get started, up first, Dr. G, hello. I have not talked to you in months. How are you tonight? <laughs> I'm doing great, doing great. We missed you on the uh, show. Well, I guess I guess you guys uh, got to do uh, episode 50, but um, but uh, no, it's, uh, it's, it's great to have you back and get back, uh, you know, back into uh, June of 86. I can't believe that we're we're actually in June of 86 now. It's And this this stuff is really heating up. A lot of this stuff now is bringing back memories. I'm starting to memorize some of the stuff from that time. 
Although my time my timeline seems to be off, like I, you know, especially with like Ole Anderson, but but I'm looking forward to to uh, breaking it all down uh, tonight. Yeah, me too. I mean, I've missed obviously, you know, I missed the second half of May, but um, yeah, really good stuff tonight. And this is kind of real where my wheelhouse starts kicking in. Right around July of '86 is really where I started to become the regular watcher. So this stuff leading into the bash tonight really is this is really great setup for where I really started my watcher Crockett. So it's really good to be here tonight. Um, up next, my other co-host for this evening, uh, regular co-host, I should say, Scott Shiflett. How are you, Scott? Sean, I'm glad to have you back. I know me and you just spoke on episode 50 in our Nashville, you know, um, I would, it's not trials and tribulations, but our Nashville excursion, which I thought was a great time. I'm glad to have you back. Uh, you know, glad Dr. G is here, missing a certain someone tonight, but I think we have someone that uh, fill, fills the shoes pretty well. We do. And uh, so Colin is missing tonight. Um, I don't know how long he'll be missing. He is still drowning his sorrows in uh, Drew McIntyre's loss, Savage loss to Roman Reigns, um, especially since he decided to sing American Pie uh, over 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 in England, which I really didn't understand. And he seemed to take the loss very well. But Logan's not taking it well. And then, of course, the unfortunate passing of the Queen, I'm sure that has added to his maybe his drinking pleasure right now. So with that, we have asked a special guest star to come in. We haven't had a guest in a super long time. He's been on the show before. And next to Dr. G and Schiff might be the least biggest fan of Japanese wrestling, Logan Crossland. How are you tonight? <laughs> in honor of Callum uh, not being able here to defend himself, I'll just give you a good old Scottish get the folk. All uh, right. But yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, uh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, glad you asked me to be on, and I'm looking forward to talking about what we're going to talk about tonight. Yes, absolutely. And um, Logan was also on our Nashville trip, so maybe some of the things or people whose names we did not mention in our last episode, Logan could have been one of those people. So we will not, uh, we will protect the names of the innocent even <laughs> if they weren't too innocent. So we won't throw anything out there. Uh, but before we get started, Dr. G, any thoughts on us actually number 51? I mean, we've actually made it 51 episodes. Any thought on, uh, it's the big milestone? It's, it is, you know, it, what's crazy about it is, is that we started this, I think during the pandemic, so, and it's just how life has changed just in that, that period of time in the, you know, the, the 50 episodes. And I know we took a little bit of a break, uh, when, when things went over to Peacock, but, um, but then we, then, then you decided, yeah, no, we're going to do other stuff. So we did that for a little while, but, uh, it's amazing. Uh, you, you had this idea and you ran with it and it's really a great period in wrestling. I mean, in the eighties, I mean, I mean, like we always say, if they had the marketing machine that uh, WWE had, they, you know, NWA would probably still be around in this this form, to, uh, you know, you know, in a bigger form today because I the storylines are better, the the wrestling's better, um, but they didn't have that glitz and glamour about them, and that's that's what people wanted at that time in the '80s. So um, yeah, but it's great. Yeah, it, I mean, it is, and it's still fun, so I'm glad we're finally getting into mid-86. So for context, um, we're going to change things up a little bit. So I was thinking through, when we got through episode 50, I was thinking, okay, so how do we streamline this a little bit? Because so much is going on, and for all of us, to be sure transparent, um, we have a lot of stuff going on at work, personal life, and things like that. It's been a very busy summer, which is one of the reasons why I haven't seriously recorded on this show since June. Um, but now we're out of summer, so I thought it'd be a good time to kind of maybe hit a reset, refresh. So there's going to be some stuff we're going to talk about. Um, I'll mention some things that are going on, and then I might have you guys comment on that. But as far as watching like interviews and matches and things like that, we're going to streamline those a little bit. 
um, for the sake of time and also for the sake that we're not going to do awards at the end. Um, at the end of each episode, we're probably going to just say, hey, overall thoughts on what we watched tonight. Um, we'll still keep the territory um, watch as well because I think that's kind of a cool segment and gives us some perspective on what's going on everywhere else. Um, but a little different. So we're just going to mix it up a little bit, nothing too drastic, and we'll, we're still going to stick to a format of really going all in on what's going on in Crockett. It's just it's so hard to keep up, especially as we get into the bash. So uh, with that, are you guys ready to jump in into June of 86? You ready? Let's go. Let's do it. All right. So let's do the rundown here on the champion. So your world champion is still Ric Flair, U.S. champion, still Magnum TA. Your tag team champions are still Midnight Express. The six-man tag team champions have changed. And I don't think you guys brought this up back in the May watch. But on May 17th, uh, or May 17th, 1986, the Road Warriors and Dusty Rhodes defeated the Russians for the six-man tag team championships in Baltimore. So the Warriors and the Road War- uh, and Dusty Rhodes are the six-man champs. Your Mid-Atlanta champion is still the missing in action Black Bart, who we have not seen since he's won the belt, I believe. Your national champion, Sully Blanchard. Your junior heavyweight champion, also the missing in action, Denny Brown. Um, and your TV champion is still Arn Anderson. So with that, we are going to jump right in. We're going to June 7th of 1986. We are looking at World Championship Wrestling. So before we, we talk about the promos and things of that nature, we're going to go detail in. A couple of mentions here. So there's a Wahoo promo on this show, which I think all of us can clap. We can ignore the Wahoo tonight. But he shows a video of him getting beat up by Steve Regal and Jimmy Garden, which sets up a series of strap matches at the bash. Uh, Jimmy Valiant and Baron Von Raschke uh, do a promo, and they will have loaded glove matches at the bash. And on a bash update, um, there's an update on all the country singers that'll be there. And there's a Waylon Jennings interview and Waylon says country music fans like wrestling. Imagine that. So Dusty Collins. <laughs> and then there's another thing, um, which is going to be a spoiler where I don't want to say it yet, but Dusty calling a certain person's return tonight and calling that person a redneck bigot. And then he shits on WWF Saturday morning wrestling. So, um, Dr. G, I'll get to you first. Anything, I know we're not talking about this in depth, but any thoughts on what I just reviewed on other stuff that was on this show tonight? <laughs> well, the first thing I just, the first thing, I didn't remember Steve Regal being around this long. <laughs> well, I, it is a different Steve Regal. I mean, just, right. you know, yeah, no, but, but yeah, I, it threw I me off too. Him, him being here at this time. So it definitely was, you know, longer than I thought, but, but it just obviously wasn't memorable. Um, and then, um, the Dusty Rhodes, uh, you know, calling somebody a red neck bigot. You would never get away with saying that today on the air. And and, and actually making his uh, remarks towards WWE. I think that's great. Yeah, it was, it was, it, I, I mean, it had me laughing. I almost thought about, eh, you know what? I could just say it because in context, it's exactly what he said. So, um, and again, I didn't want to spoil the return, but I think we're all excited about the return, which I can't wait to talk about tonight. Uh, Scott, any thoughts on uh, the stuff I mentioned? Yeah, the the Steve Regal stuff. We had actually seen a promo where he actually threatened the babyface in his uh, little pink blazer, where I was like making fun of him because he I said he looked like a like a mechanic that was charging under the table. Um, but hey, by, by the way, this is uh, our Twitter. Uh, Steve Regal does follow us on Twitter. Just FYI, this well, one, not the other one. This one. I hope he can you know get my brakes adjusted next time I come in. But um, <laughs> okay. Well, oh, go on. Uh, the country music with the Great American Bash was probably great at the time, but also it had negative connotations because that's one of the things that Bischoff constantly pushed was like the 
WCW and WA was Southern Wrestling, and he was trying to take it national and hooking up with country music just continues that um, stereotype. I'm not saying it's wrong, but, you know, I, I've met a lot of wrestling fans, obviously, and they like their musical taste is all different. But when I think of NWA, I think of, like, the country music. And them actually being able to pull Waylon Jennings was pretty impressive. Um, I know they had uh, a couple other stars, but I didn't think they were, like, the Oak Ridge Boys. But I never thought they were big. But Waylon Jennings, you know, is one of the outlaws of country music. So it's a pretty big pull about Dusty. They, pro- they probably did that smoking weed with Willie Nelson. Mm. <laughs> Uh, I can pretty much guarantee that. Uh, Logan, I know you're a young whippersnapper, uh, 86. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You're not born yet, correct? Uh, negative seven, to be exact. All yeah. right, so any thoughts on I wasn't show? even born yet. Yeah, well, you're, you're regularly on the show. Logan's not. Uh, so, Logan, any thoughts on uh, not being alive during this and the things I just mentioned? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just completely floored. Nah, I mean, I, I know who Waylon Jennings is. Um, that that interview with Tony was absolutely ridiculous. I actually watched a little bit of it. Um, Dusty calling anybody else a redneck bigot is pretty funny, and I kind of think it's kind of funny that he shit on uh, WWE. And the Valiant promo was batshit and ridiculous as always. So, um, but yeah, just not 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 nothing too memorable throughout this, but some batshit stuff and some stuff that probably wouldn't be uh, aired today. All right, so those are the things that ha- those are the other things that happen on this Saturday night show. So let's talk about what we're going to talk about. So up first, we're going to talk about a huge return, and the announcers um, kind of lead us through this. So it starts off um, where we go. I believe this is on Worldwide, um, being showed on uh, World Championship Wrestling. But we start off with Dusty coming to the ring. He's going to wrestle um, the guy. He's going to <laughs> wrestle. He knocks out of the ring. And Ric Flair shows up and hands the belt to our favorite ref, uh, five-time ref of the year, uh, Tommy Young. Um, and he <laughs> hands the belt, and we have a spontaneous world title match, which just out of nowhere, I mean, you get, hey, we're getting a world title match. So it's Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes, uh, Baby Dolls at ringside. So just to abbreviate this, Dusty press slams Flair, and he gets a clothesline for two. Flair dashes at the top rope and gets thrown out, gets thrown off, and out comes Tully and Arn. Um, Dusty beats on him, and then Flair is disqualified. But then out of the blue comes a return in Ole Anderson, who we did talk about in April 86 for a random one-off match he did in Japan, but he has not physically been here since Dusty injured him in July. So Ole comes out, all the horsemen, and then J.J. Dillon show up, on, and J.J.'s there to like act like the traffic cop, and he's just trying to keep everybody out of the ring, uh, which is pretty cool. And this is also really the first time that it shows that J.J. is the manager for the whole group instead of just the manager for Tolly. So a really good unified front here for the horsemen. Um, the Rock and Roll Express, the Magnum TA come to the rescue, and then the Horman, Horseman, Horman, the Horseman get out while they can. Um, Arn holds up the four fingers and declares that the three uh, three Horsemen are four once again, and basically says the Horsemen have hurt everyone. And does Dusty have enough friends to help him when they know Oli is back and he's coming for Dusty? Then we go to an interview with Oli and the other Horsemen, and Oli is just legit on fire, man. He says Dusty has made the biggest mistake of his life by staying in wrestling. He comes down on Dusty and says he has two choices, retire on his own or let the horseman cripple him so badly that even Dusty's daddy, the plumber, won't be able to fit the pipes together again. Um, This return promo is absolutely lit. And you know what? I've never really thought about wanting to see an Ole versus Dusty match, but holy shit, um, the intensity from Ole just totally sold me on it. Um, And then Ole says it ain't over until one of us is dead. Um, which is actually silence on Peacock. They actually blurt that out because I guess he threatens to kill him. Um, and the horsemen are going are the burial team with their shovels. And an arm screams out, thought I was next, making fun of Dusty's threats months earlier, saying that after he heard Ole, he was coming after Arn. 
and he's still standing there. Holy shit. This is great shit to open up June 7th. Uh, Dr. G, I'll go to you first. What'd you think? You know, the, you know what, what's good about it is, you know, we, we always say the attitude error was, you know, um, when they started bringing like that realism in. But, I, you know, I have to tend to disagree on that. This was going on in the 80s. I mean, you, you know, when I was watching this when I was younger, you, you really thought these guys hated each other. Yep. I mean, most people didn't. Well, Ole Anderson, I think, hated yeah. everybody, which yeah. made it even better. <laughs> but that, that's true. He didn't even like the people he was teaming with, so yeah. uh, um, except for Arn. But, um, but I just love the fact – I love the realism because when you're watching it, and I remember watching it at this time, you really – you bought into the whole thing, you know, because, you know, I, of course, when you're a kid, you always always heard all oh, wrestling's fake, wrestling's fake. But then when you watch some of this, you're like, I don't know. You, they can say it is, but I don't know. I, I don't know if I totally believe it because you you see the hatred that these guys, you know, ha- that they show for each other, um, which was really amazing for that time. So, I mean, because of what we've seen over the last, you know, 20, 30 years, this stuff was way ahead of its time. So I, um, so I didn't, I, you know, I kind of rated it. I mean, I went to two stars on the match for what we saw, but I went four stars on the return. So we don't really have to rate this one, but, um, I think this is more angle than anything, to be honest with you, but yeah, I, you know, I didn't do a rating per yeah, se. That, and that's fine. We don't have to on this one. Um, Logan, I'll go to you next. What did you think of this as incoming and not being on the show for a long time? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the the match was more of a plot device to kind of bring back Ole and show that the four horsemen are back together. Um, I, I, th- I thought Arn's promo before Ole even came in was great. Uh, you know, he talks about how the horsemen, uh, if they say they're going to do something, they do it. If they're going to take somebody out and they say they're going to do it, they'll do it. And everybody's going to feel their wrath. And, uh, you know, they'll they'll strike. They'll, they're willing and able to strike whenever they want. They'll take you out in the parking lot. They'll take you out wherever the wherever the forest feel like. And then Ole comes in and just holy shit. I mean, he he's on fire. He kills it. Um, I mean, it, just everything about what he says, you believe, uh, you really think he's going to kill Dusty whenever them two lock up in the ring. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I thought both Andersons had just absolutely great promos here, uh, but only really knocked it out of the park for sure. Thank, all right. And a shift, the Andersons once again, hit a home run on this show. Go ahead. Um, as Arn said at the end of the promo, because I have nothing else to add, so I think you guys covered it expertly. Toot toot. <laughs> all right that's all you got on that one Chip. I, I get the it, reference that's awesome i mean it was amazing and like yeah i i just love how Oli said they were they took out everyone i didn't rate it either uh because i like like everyone said i thought it was more angle but it was it was awesome um and like i loved arn saying everyone's been hurt by the horseman and they're bringing back Oli, who like we've already said is the son of a bitch and it's like well i guess they're really just gonna murder everyone now yeah, it, you know, just to close it out, I'm excited Oli's back just in time for the uh, Great American Bash and the Four Horsemen are officially together, actually probably for the first time officially as the Four Horsemen. So um, really, really great stuff. All right, we're going to jump into our next segment. So um, as you recall, um, which we covered before, uh, the press conference for Magnum TA and Nikita Koloff for their U.S. title signing, uh, Nikita made fun of uh, Magnum's mom, and Magnum Magnum got all boo boo upset about it and um, <laughs> turned into a fight. So here we are with the repercussions of that. So Magnum TA has been stripped of the United States title, and then we're reminded of the recent incident in which the Russians made fun of Magnum's mom uh, at the press conference, and then Magnum retaliated. 
Uh, we go to a random interviewer who I have no idea who he is, standing with Magnum TA and NWA President Bob Geigel, who I really don't like, and I haven't liked him any time we've talked about him on this show. Um, not, not sure why, but I guess they're trying to make this a big deal, and they have these random blue streamer curtains in the background to make it feel important, which is ridiculous. And Geigel reads a prepared statement formally reprimanding Magnum for his unprofessional conduct at the press conference. <laughs> Magnum, <clears throat> again, getting hot-tempered, says, reprimand this. Um, and he gives Geigel a really good hard right hand and storms off. And I really love this because, like I said, I think Geigel's a dick. Uh, we, we, go to a later, we go to a later announcement from President Geigel saying the board of directors had no choice but to strip Magnum TA of his title. Tony is then shown with the Coloss and Akita gladly accepts the vacated title for his own as he states TA purposely avoided the TV match so he wasn't embarrassed. Jim Crockett Jr. shows up and declares that they aren't just handing over the belt. The Great American Bash will now include a best-of-seven series between Nikita and Magnum to determine the champion. The first match will be on July 1st, um, and I believe that is in Philadelphia, and Ivan is pissed at this conspiracy. Then cuts a promo on beating Warriors and Dusty for the six-man tags. <laughs> so, Scott, I'll go to you first. What did you think of this with Magnum? And we finally have the setup for the best-of-seven. I, I loved I loved that. Like, Magnum was so, like, pissed off. And I loved, like, he was just reprimanded. reprimanded after the conference, but then he attacks Geigel and gets suspended. It's like, you dumbass. But I, I just, I mean, are him. you like me? Do you think, do you not like Bob Geigel? Like he just seems annoying to me. He can fuck, fuck and off. Okay. Um, All right. Excellent. But <laughs> I, then I just like loved like how like, um, Nikita comes out and was like how he should get the title now. And then, and like how Ivan's even saying Nikita is the champ. I, I just loved all of this. And it was, I, I didn't realize this is how we got the seven, the, the best of seven. I thought it was just maybe the first match was like a no contest, and that's how they set up the best of seven. I didn't realize that Magnum was stripped. Um, looking through it with 2022 eyes, I think it like devalues the title in a certain way to have it to have him stripped. Um, I, I would have liked for him to just have the title and they do a best of seven. Whoever wins the best of seven gets the title, but you know that wouldn't make sense with them swapping wins because I don't. I'm just going to assume they go to all seven matches. I don't think Magnum's going to win four in a row, but um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And you know, again, this has really been building since January. I mean, think about how long this build has gone. And now here we are. And in next month in July, they'll start this series. And this is really where I started watching Crockett regularly is when this best of seven is what hooked me to begin with. So um, Logan, I'll go to you next. Any thoughts on the best of seven? I'm not sure how much you know about this legendary best of seven series, but this is one of the things that put Crockett on the map. Yeah, I don't know a ton about it, but I, I'm sure it's great. Uh, I, I like uh, Magnetia a lot, so I, I'm sure I would super enjoy it. I thought Geigel came off kind of like a Weasley douchebag uh, in all of this because he's like, oh, well, the committee is going to strip you. <laughs> no, ball up. You got rocked by a hard right hand. You 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 are stripping him. You're the president. Don't blame it on the freaking committee. Um, but I, I thought uh, T.A. showed some good fire, and I, I like that he decked him uh, in that little little reprimand segment. I, I liked your a Geigel impression. You might as well add that to your checklist. Of <laughs> okay. That was, that was really that was a good one. I that was, like he yeah he does. He just sounds like this rough gruff dude, and you, you portray that very well. Uh, Doctor G, any thoughts on finally being set up for the best of seven? Well, you know, I, Bob Geigel, uh, you know, he is a weasel, and and he actually was a weasel in real life. He's the promoter in Kansas City, which is probably one of the worst payoff territories in Ooh. the. So if you've heard the Kansas City ter territory, you probably heard stories, you know, when you listen to other podcasts. So 
Yeah, so he's known for that. So he pretty much what you saw on TV is pretty much how the guy is, and you know, in real life. So, <laughs> so you guys all have him pegged properly. Um, but I, you know, I just love um, Magnum TA's fire. Like I said, I didn't totally get it with him, you know, over the years because you know when you were watching, I couldn't remember at the time. But now I'm going back and watching this stuff. Now I could see why they wanted him to be a future NWA World Champion. He just, yeah, he's a baby face, but he's not like Bob Backlund baby face, you know, like he's got that edge to him. It's a little stone cold 86, like a yeah. little bit edge of to him in this. And I was thinking like, it would have been amazing, like, cause I brought this up on multiple podcasts. Like it just breaks my heart cause we know what's going to happen and we know it's coming. It's, I know it's, it's like we're heading, you know, up a mountain and it's like, we're about to, you know, hit the snow and it's. It's just heartbreaking because I was sitting there watching it today and I was like, you know, it would be really cool to see how because, you know, they would have did the inevitable breakup of Dusty and Magnum and how that would have went, you know, would Magnum have joined heel but not been like with the horsemen? Like, how would that have gone? Or maybe he would have joined the horsemen after, you know, after he made because you knew he was going to drop the belt back to Flair, you know, after, after Starcade. Like, you know, drop often like the enforcement like what happens with Barry it's just like Barry was like then um added after Magnum's accident so it's like what, what the hell happened like it's a it's a crazy what if that I don't think it's talked about a lot in wrestling well you know the interesting what if you bring up is the Dusty Magnum like would they go on that route because that would probably be a huge money match that they would have had based on their history oh. like in 87 or 88 they could have gone with which would have been amazing so yeah this really best of seven uh uh you're right, Sean, is is pretty legendary. And, it, um, you know, again, the whole deal at that time with the Russians and the American, you know, like that stuff was, you know, we lived it at that time. So people really, you know, that's why this this feud was just so great. No, it was Nikita, we know, is not the greatest in the ring, but his character was just so good and just seemed like, you I mean, you thought he was Russian, even with the the, the, the hideous accent. He just played it off so well, and 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 then I just love how he brings that fire out in Magnum. I felt like that was the opponent. You know, he's had he we obviously the match with Tully, one of the best of all times, and that really brought him to the, to another level. But I feel like Nikita really brought out the the fire in Magnum yeah. T. And he unfortunately, did. we're not going to get to see him ever. You know, do what we thought what he was going to do. Well, we, we will get to see the best of seven play out. Um, I know we have at least, I think, one or two matches of that coming up uh, in our watch in the future. So maybe more. I'm working on trying to find some behind the scenes stuff that I might be able to grab for us for our July watch. But we'll definitely see some of that. And honestly, I'm hoping they're better than some of the ones we watched. I think we watched like five or six of these matches between them between January and now. And I don't think all of them have been that great. So I'm hoping the best of seven, along with that fire you're seeing, I hope that comes in the matches, too. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. All right, so now now we're going to jump into one of the most ridiculous, really um, doesn't sit well in 2022 things that I've ever watched on this podcast. And I know Schiff had some comments to make about it. And Schiff, try to keep it a little PC in how you think about this. Okay? <laughs> All right, so we have the Rock and Roll Express. Cody says the world has been waiting for the Super Sizzler Tour from August 4th to August 10th. There are going to be three big contests, the Rock and Roll Express lookalike contest. Where the winners 
Uh, five to 13, they need to be and need to send a picture, and we'll get to spend a day at Six Flags Atlanta with Ricky and Robert. Then there's going to be the Miss Rock and Roll Express contest, open to all girls, age 14 to 17, who are encouraged to mail in photos of themselves. And can you? And by, this is my first note. Can you imagine a company doing this contest today? But that's not all. That's not all. Finally, the Rock and Roll Dream Date Contest, where the winners will get dinner with the boys, followed by a chance to escort them to the ring for their match that night. But they must be 18, and they need to have a 500-word essay. And during this whole explanation by Tony, Ricky, with his broken-ass nose, and Robert both stand there like freaking toolboxes. And when it's over, Morton basically says, Tor will be hot, and that's it. That ends the whole segment, uh, Dr. G. <laughs> Very uncomfortable watch. The age brackets on these are really disturbing, but I'll let you speak to this. And I'll save it for last because he's the one I worry about, so you go first. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad because I'm sitting here. I, I, when I'm, I was watching it, when I watched this, when I was working, when, whatever day it was, I don't even remember when I was watching it, and I was, like, cracking up. I'm like, is this for real? I'm like, you're right. I mean, it's just amazing how – I can never. Could you imagine the, the WWE doing that today? Oh my God! <laughs> no, not no. I, like I can't. Like I can't even imagine it doing it in '86. Like, I can't. Oh my God! I can't. I can't stop laughing. I'm sorry. It's just like, how would you? I mean, I, I, I just don't get it. <laughs> but there I was a little sense, and like I think, like Ricky and Robert standing there, like all silent, looking like toolboxes. I think they were. I think in the back of their mind, they're like. like yeah, they're, they're processing what's being said. I'm like, oh, they're like, oh, shit. They're like, oh, we didn't know about this until we came out here. <laughs> That's what it looked like. Like they just got this sprung upon them. <laughs> it, it, it was All right. So anything else you want to add? I, like, I, I think I'm going to keep it PC. We'll just leave it alone. Right. Logan, I'll go to you. So I know there's a danger with you, too. But what do you think of this? <laughs> Well, well, well. A confused look is kind of what I think Robert Gibson looks like constantly. So I th don't think he's uh, far off in that in that, <laughs> that that little segment. But yeah, them standing there looking stupid is just <laughs> ridiculous. They could have they could have they could have had Tony announce this, and how Tony kept a straight face while announcing some of this. He kind of smiled and smirked at some points because you could tell he knew it was absolutely ridiculous even for the time. But can you imagine? Can you imagine what they received in some of those? envelopes and letters and stuff oh my god oh, uh, oh can god. you imagine the 500 word essays like i would <laughs> like like i imagine this like 35 40 year old woman writing them this 500 page this 500 essay about what they would do i don't want to even say yeah i mean absolutely ridiculous but yeah just absolutely <laughs> absurd all the way around for sure and i'll keep it as pc as I well can. all right shift i'm gonna go to you next so go ahead i'm waiting so with the little kids, do you think they, the the winners were the ones that were cross-eyed? Oh, oh, Jesus. Yeah, God damn it. <laughs> the, so I didn't even realize the, the, the kids won until you just said it now because the 14 to 17 one, I, I was blown away that this was real. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All, all I was thinking about was Jerry Lawler when he got in trouble – in Louisville and Memphis in 1993. Mm -hmm. And I was like, the stuff was probably rampant. I felt like I needed to take a shower after watching it. I, <laughs> That's a good feeling. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I had to like stop I mean, watching. It's a bad feeling, but it's a good feeling. <laughs> yeah. Like I had to like stop watch. And I was like, that 
and then it was like, oh, the rock and roll dream date. And it was like, no wonder uh, Richard Morton has like 15 kids. But I think that for the dream date. Uh, but like, could you imagine the 500 words? It was. I, I can't even begin to fathom like what a mess that I, had to be. I'm more terrified of what the pictures look like. <laughs> well, yeah. And if and if all the ladies were uh, set 14 to 17, I, I'm going to guess probably not. Yeah, I'm like, it's just like, whose bright idea was that? And, and like, this comes off months after Flair was making fun of the Rock and Roll Express saying all their fans had training brawls. And then we're like leaning into it. And it's like, <laughs> to steal a Tim Capel line, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. So anyway, the less said, we, we've kind of gone as in-depth of that as we need to. Um, and my hope is when we get to August or September, we don't cover this again. But for some reason, I think it'll come up at some point again. But definitely an uncomfortable watch. Entertaining watch just for the sheer absurdity of it, but also a little uncomfortable. So with that, we're going to shift gears. Uh, we're going to leave this episode of World Championship Wrestling. We're actually going to go to June 9th, 1986. And we're going to uh, Championship Wrestling for Florida. So as you know... Flair still in this day doing the territories, and one of the territories he still does is Florida. Well, um, in 1986, um, especially, and we've covered Luger before. Lex Luger is gonna we have we're gonna talk about Flair versus Luger here in 1986, um, and I think this feud right here is what kind of put Luger on the map as far as a future superstar. I know we've covered Luger in the past. Um, I believe on one of the Battle of the Belts. Um, where he took on um, the future Jimmy Jack Funk, which I think we all thought was a really good match, but he was a heel there. Well, Luger has turned face, and here in Florida, um, him and Lu Flair and Luger had a match. So I'm gonna, we're going to talk a little bit about this, um, some of the things that happened and transpired, and where it sets up for the future, and I'll look for your thoughts. So uh, we have Gordon Soley here, um, and I know all of us have certain thoughts on Gordon Soley and his uh, delivery, but Soley discusses Luger and Flair uh, that they went 60 minutes recently for the title. Like, imagine 1986 Lex Luger going 60 minutes, uh, which is crazy. And I'm sure, I mean, you want to talk about do Flair doing a carry job, but they wrestled for 60 minutes. Uh, Soli takes us to a Flair interview immediately after that match, and he's very bloodied. Uh, said he's feeling the pressure, and he says Florida always has the best competition. He puts over Luger as an Adonis, and he says he doesn't like being carried out or being stitched up, or that people say possibly next time he leaves Florida, he won't be champion but he's not deterred and he specializes in big guys. And he says, next time he's here and he sees Luger, he's going to have to bloody him and calls him a punk and says, remember, he's the one that broke Dusty's leg. He made Barry Windham leave and he runs down all the people he beat in Florida. Um, and he's going to hurt Luger bad. <clears throat> uh, he doesn't care about 30, 60 or 90 minutes. Uh, they then discuss a crew doing a documentary on Flair and showing a video of Flair arriving in Tampa with a female. Uh, then after the match, leaving Tampa and then Flair goes into a dressing room, then runs into Bass. Uh, between or I'm sorry, runs into yeah it, I'm sorry runs into Ron Bass first but between all this they show video of Flair's various matches putting over which put him over based on uh, people he's beaten in Florida. Finally, Flair confronts Luger in a dressing room who's sitting down with uh, legendary uh, Mid South wrestler Bob Roop. Luger gets in his face about going 60 minutes and he wants 90 minutes. Uh, says until, until Flair beats him, they are equals. Flair says you are great young talent and you want 90 minutes. We will do it in Florida. Um, then we get back live in the studio with Luger, and the stip is on. It will be a match. Two out of three falls, 90 minutes with five-minute rest between falls based on uh, what Flair wanted. Luger says uh, it will be present champ versus the future champ, and he signs a contract 
<clears throat> regardless of any stip. So um, this is the first half of this. So Schiff, I'll go to you first. What did you think about this uh, initial Flair versus Luger confrontation, the match and everything that's been set up before we talk about the second part of this? Oh my God, this was amazing. Like if they, I wish they would make stuff like this more. This felt like not necessarily the same, but like a WWF like hype package video that we would see in like during the Attitude Era. I loved it. It made Luger look like a million bucks, made Flair look like a fighting champion. And I want to know if this was a legit NWA title doc that they made and if I can get my hands on said doc or if this was just something they did. But um, like Luger looked like I know like say most people aren't big fans of Luger. I, I, I enjoy him. But like this was just it made him look like a world beater. I I, I, I can't say enough of this. I, I will say um, my favorite line is when Flair said he will beat Luger. And he's going to shove Luger's arm up his ass. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, that's great. Yep. And and I have here that Flair's with one of his rats because I'm pretty sure he was married to David and Megan's mom, and that 100% was not her because she was in Minnesota. So uh, Flair just flaunting that he's cheating for everyone to see, um, but it's Flair, so I guess what? But it was um it was awesome. I I really enjoyed it, and yeah, Luger looks like a mil- like looks like a superstar. Yeah, I mean, and uh, Dr. G, I'll go to you next. So I actually remember reading about Flair versus Luger in Florida in PWI, and that was my first real exposure to Luger at the time in this whole feud setup. But what did you think of this first half of uh, Flair versus Luger and a real first solid good look at Lex Luger beyond a quick match we saw at one of Battle of the Belts? Well, as you know, I, I grew up in Florida, so I used to watch this, so I, I do remember this. And um, I'm not going to lie, Lex Luger was – one of my, my favorites at the time because they built him up when he, when he turned face, that was like gigantic in the territory at the time because just because of his look and he used to rip off the shirt kind of like Hogan did. He used to rip off his seat, you know, like that was like, like his gimmick. Um, his name was also spelled differently when the, when he first started, he was actually the Luger when he first started uh, in Florida. Um, and they spelled it L U G A R. Um <clears throat> But once once he settled into his character, I mean, I just thought and talked about this before in other interviews. I mean, he lo- he actually really liked Lex Luger at the time, even though Lex wasn't a great worker or whatever. But he just thought the guy had what it took to be a star. And the sad thing is, if his his attitude was like it is today, back then, Lex Luger could probably have been one of the best of all time because he just like his name. He had the total package. So. um yeah, I just I think I think the way they've set up this whole like I guess if you want to call it like a little dock or whatever. Florida used to do that every so often. I mean, it wasn't the best produced things. I mean, they didn't have the, the kind of equipment that WWF had at the time, but but they uh, they did a pretty good job with it where you, you really it, it it drew you in. Uh so Scott, you're totally right with that. Like you just you felt you it was just it was a with it was good stuff, you know, like when you and, when, and I just I remember this. I was so glad you put this on here sean because uh um it kind of brought some back some memories because I, I do remember this uh you know feud for a little while in florida yep uh logan your thoughts i know uh you've obviously seen later wcw lex luger but this is like peak early luger like he's only a year i believe or so in at this point so any thoughts on this setup 
Yeah, I mean, I thought he looked like a million bucks. They definitely presented him well, uh, you know, showing that he had gone 60 minutes with Flair and uh, went to a draw and everything like that. I thought Flair stuff was good. Uh, I love that he was just bleeding with the championship over his shoulder and the locker room. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty good way to present that. Uh, the idea of the little documentary that they were doing was pretty cool. Uh, I would like to see if they actually put something together and made something like that uh, fully, if they ever finished it or whatever. But I thought Luger's Seemed kind of green in his delivery on the mic, but um, like I said, he looked like a million bucks, and they presented him well, so I, th- I think it was really well done. All right. Would you still want to see that documentary if Gordon Soley was the one commentating on it? Uh, no. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, jump, we'll, we'll, we'll jump to the second part of this. So the pe- second part of this flashes to after the match has happened. Um, Soley says we have some tape of the match and brings up the 60-minute match, which is now six weeks ago. And then replays the previous setup of the 90-minute match that we just talked about. Then we cut the clips of the actual 90-minute match. Um, Luger pins Flair in the first fall with a clothesline. Later, Humperdinck Army, good old Oliver Humperdinck, attacks Luger. And Wyndham comes out to help, but he has a bad leg. And then Cowboy Ron Bass beats him up. Mm-hmm. This happens during the rest period. So I also noticed uh, Muda was one of the main ones that are running in and pounding on Luger as well. So they're all beating him up during, which is great. Like, I don't have any recollection of great Muda. Uh, being in Florida. I know he was on one of the Biden, I think it was called the White Ninja or something like that, but yeah, Muda's here in 86. Uh, Bill Alfonso is also the ref of this match. Flair is declared the winner because Luger cannot continue, and after the match, a very happy Flair uh, bloats, uh, he gloats about being the 60-minute man, says Luger wasn't man enough to beat him, and just like everyone else, he is beaten. Next time he comes to Florida, he wants someone who is hungry. The rematch will happen, but Humperdinck Army will be escorted out, is what we're told. Uh, Bob Roop has filed a complaint, and then Bob Roop comes out and discusses what happened to Luger. was heartbreaking. Uh, Luger's not stopped for good. It's just momentarily. So, uh, Schiff, any thoughts on the end of this and basically the end of it? So I basically put – I thought it was good. Really good territory angle here. Puts Luger on the map at a bigger level. And it actually – what this match does is just, you know, peek under the tent, sets up the main event for Battle of the Belts that we will cover when we get to September 86. So, Schiff, what is your thoughts on this and the setup? Yeah, the um, the, the part two was was awesome. Like, uh, I was shocked that Luger won the first fall, and I was wondering how they were going to get out of it. And then, like, you know, it seemed like NWO B team was the ones attacking Luger. Um, and I loved how it was the whole locker room. They drug him out, and Barry Windham even got beat down too. And supposedly Flair doesn't see any of it. It's like the perfect, like... I, I just really enjoyed this, and um, you know, it could have been done without Gordon Soley uh, narrating. As I told you about my issues with him, he literally puts me to sleep as I'm listening to him. I, I don't. I, I'm assuming that's a generational thing. I'm sorry, Doctor G, but um, it it was just a perfect angle, and they were able to get out of it. And hopefully, they had hot crowds coming to see Luger get his revenge. Okay, Logan, what'd you think on this? The end of the game on this. Yeah, I thought the whole match angle with all the people coming out and taking out Luger and Wyndham was uh, pretty awesome, but uh, I'm going to have to join Schiff. And uh, uh, listening to Gordon Soley talk for the better part of about 30 minutes uh, eventually almost put me to sleep. So uh, it, it may have gone a few seconds too long on the talking part, but uh, I thought the uh, match angle was pretty good. Yeah, uh, and unfortunately, Dr. G, I joined him, I feel like, with uh, Soley at this point. You know, he's so low-key and low-energy that it might take away from this a little bit. So the angle and the match itself carried this whole thing. But I don't feel like Soli really helped energize the situation and pump the people up. But what did you think? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I did love Gordon Jolie as a kid. I, I think there were periods of time, you're right, that, you know, um, he wasn't. I think because we're so used to the way announcing is now. I mean, you know, again, Vince and WWF changed the uh, course of, of how announcing is. I mean, I know, uh, you know, JR did a little bit, too, down in Mid-South. So I guess, you know, because if you listen to a lot of these old territories, that it is a little bit more almost has a serious tone to it. Um, and don't, you know, because announcing, uh, you know, I did broadcasting at one time. They used to always tell you not to get too crazy, too, too excited. You know, like it was just a different way of broadcasting then. So it is a generational thing. I agree. And yeah, I watch some of these things now and I'm like, wow, I did love them when I was a kid, but eh, maybe not as much as I thought I did because I'm so used to the way things are now. Um, but in regards to this, this is the, I, I love, we would always get those. And, and I used to love when I would watch championship wrestling for Florida and you got like the house show uh, footage, you know, sometimes it was just one camera. Um, but, you know, you got like, you know, to kind of set up a feud because sometimes the studio wrestling didn't always do that justice. So I love the, you know, the fact that people came out to attack Luger, um, to help Flair and, you know, kept Luger strong, but also kept, you know, kept, you know, the championship on Flair, which obviously they weren't going to put it on Luger at that time. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, like you said, besides maybe some of the parts with Gordon Soley, I, I thought the actual angle was done very well. Yep. And so at minimal, we'll know we'll revisit this uh, in September uh, when we talk about all the belts three. So. We'll see if there's anything in between now and then, but um, we'll actually get a full match between them when we cover that show. And I think that's a pretty famous match as well. And we'll see how that plays out then. So definitely look forward to that. All right. So we're going to move on to uh, June 14th, 1986, back to World Championship Wrestling. Um, the only thing I'm going to mention that we're not going to go too much detail on is Baby Doll has a new wrestler in her camp, and it is the Warlord. And yes, this is the Warlord from the Powers of Pain. This is the Warlord from the WWF. Um, so yeah, so this is him making his debut here in 1986. Um, he won't be here very long, so we're not going to really cover off too much on him because um, when we get to July, a lot of things happen But with Baby Doll and uh, Sam Houston, which we'll talk about when we get to July. Uh, but unfortunately, that means that the Warlord's tenure here ends really, really quickly, and uh, I believe he will join Sam Houston uh, in a different territory, which, we'll, again, we'll talk about in July. But, uh, Dr. G, any memory of the Warlord uh, being in WCW? Because it was, it was only for, like, two months tops, I believe. I, you know, I don't really remember this. I mean, maybe now you kind of bring it up, but I don't, rem I don't remember Baby Doll being his manager, to be honest. Me neither. Uh, Schiff, any, I know you don't remember this, but any thoughts on uh, the Warlord being a baby doll managing him in 1986 with his, and by the way, Warlord with hair. Yeah, <laughs> when you when you put this, I thought that she turned heel. And not yet, we not had, yet. We had no. just missed it, but I had no idea he came in. I know he comes in in the uh, mid-90s as the super invader, but I, I had, or is that Hercules? Uh, that's Hercules. But Yeah, I, yeah, all the same. But um, <laughs> no, they're not the same. But that's okay. Go ahead. But no, I, I had no idea, and this is just a quick like. I, I don't even think he got to finish his coffee by the sounds of it. So yeah, he didn't. Uh, and he was actually brought in to counteract uh, Bubba Rod, Big Bubba. So um, that was going to be like her bodyguard, like Bubba was 
Jim Cornette's bodyguard. Uh, Logan, uh, knowing what you know now, and I know you know who the warlord is, any thoughts on him being in WCW in 1986? Don't insult the mighty warlord. Uh, I'm just playing. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, uh, it, it, it's whatever. Uh, the powers of pain are in NWA for a little bit, right? Yeah, we'll cover them when we get to okay. 88. That, yeah, not until yeah, 1988. Yeah. 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 Barbarian's already here, but yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't think he ever was in it before that run, so uh, it's kind of surprising to see him here for sure. All right. Well, we probably won't bring him up again, but I thought it was worth mentioning. So we, we probably <laughs> won't talk about him again until we get to 1988. So just transparency. All right. So we'll jump right in. So we open up with the Andersons, uh, and they're here. They have words for Dusty Rhodes, and then we see footage, another set of footage of all four horsemen in the ring attacking the Rock and Roll Express. Dusty comes out to the rescue. And the horsemen really do uh, some really good divide and conquer kind of stuff with uh, the faces. Uh, totally clears Robert gets it out of the ring. Ric Flair puts the figure four on Ricky Morton. And that leaves Arn and Oli to beat the holy hell out of Dusty. As Oli then says, Dusty was begging for help. And he replied, it's over for you. Uh, Magnum and uh, Manny Fernandez finally came out to the rescue. Uh, Oli declares himself a Rhodes Scholar because he <laughs> knows more about Dusty Rhodes than anybody else. He predicts that, he predicts that Dusty Rhodes... Well, announce his retirement before the end of 1986, and he pledges that once Dusty retires for the remainder uh, of 1986, any family walks up for him in a restaurant and says, Dusty Rhodes retire, gets a free beer and a free meal. I wonder if we could pick up on that now, <laughs> honestly. But anyway, then he shits on all the faces that follow Rhodes and says, Rock and Roll Express are scared of them, and they're going to have all the uh, titles. And that's really the first hearing of um, the Andersons are going after the tag team titles, and if that doesn't pop you, I don't know what will, because I'm so looking forward to that. Um, Oli says, if you don't believe us, come try us, and you won't like it. And holy shit, God damn it, I've missed Oli promos. Logan, I'll go to you first, because Oli went on, on the microphone. Yeah, he, he he had another home run here. I thought I thought this one was uh, the other one. The one earlier is probably a little better, but this one was also great uh, for sure. I love that he called himself a Rhodes Scholar. I thought that was hilarious. Um, said he'd kind of been studying Dusty in his absence while he had been gone. Uh, you know, he says his uh, Dusty's body won't hold up much longer, and he's closer to retirement than not. So I really like that he's really threatening that he's really going to end Dusty's career. Like no, no matter what gets in his way, he's going to make sure that that happens. Um, and you know, he he goes into the fact that uh, anybody that associates with him will be taken out, and all the belts are going to come into the Horsemen. So another really great uh, Oli promo here. So I, I really enjoyed this one. Only a hot return here the last two episodes since he's been back. Uh, mm. Dr. G, I'll go to you next. What would you think of this? Hey, this this miserable bastard. He, uh, you know, he, 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 I, I get more. I'm respecting more of his mic work as we go back and watch this um, because he's really good. And, and you can see where maybe Arn Anderson learned, you know, some of his, um, you know, stick work because, cause, you know, again, because you, when you get to hear all these things about these guys, you know, after the fact these days, when you, you know, little, no, you, you kind of like, oh, this guy's a miserable bastard. But he was really good. You know, like he really, you really wanted to beat the shit out of him when you listen to these, these uh, interviews, if you were, if you were rooting for the faces. So um, I, just another phenomenal job. And I just, I see where maybe, and I know that Arn has mentioned before that he's learned a lot uh, from Oli. And I could see why, because, when Oli was on, you know, he, he was just as good as any of them in the Horsemen. Yep. 
and totally believable that they're related, by the way. I mean, there's no, like, yeah. there's no doubt in my mind at this particular time that they are related. Now, they're I, related to Flair, no, but these two, I mean, they're freaking, like, they're amazing together. So Yeah. Um, all right, Schiff, what'd you think? I know you're a big fan of the, like me, you pop every time there's an Anderson promo, so I'm sure you love this, too. Oh, my God. Like, Logan, like Logan, you said, like, saying he was a Rhodes Scholar because he knew everything about Dusty. I also loved the horseman beating down everyone. This is the horseman that I think of, of you know, it may not be, like, Ole, you know, could replace him with Barry and everything, but just the horseman running roughshod. Like, just beating the piss out of every baby face that gets in their way. This is what I think of. And seeing them do that and, like, just beating down Dusty is just amazing. Um, you, you brought up the, you know, he'll buy everyone a beer. I also love the line that he says that they are better than everyone. And if you don't believe it, then try them. That's just such a badass line. And, like, he and he comes off as such a cocky heel. But, like, you know, he's just a son of a real son of a bitch. And you truly believe it. And I, I just loved every minute of that. And I have no doubt in my mind that, like, Foley would beat the living fuck out of me in 1986. Like, I believe, like, if I got in a bar fight with him, he would absolutely destroy me. Mm-hmm. So, just, I think I can take him now. Well, I think now. I think, I think most people could beat the shit out of you, too, Sean. Like, a well, lot. well, that's not true. <laughs> that, 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 is, that, is, that is untrue. All right. That was, that was not nice. I'm moving on. Just, All right. Just All right. I know you are. All right. So, next up, we have <laughs> Logan. Uh, up next, we have Baby Doll and Jim Cornette, so kind of continue that. Seems like the Janes boys have kind of petered out a little bit, so as quickly as they came in, they're out. But um, Baby Doll is here, um, and she is sure she can beat Jim Cornette in a match because he's not an athlete and barely a man. Cornette storms out with Big Bubba and calls Baby Doll a big, big fat pig, among other things, and basically says she wants to be married and eat and fat and eating candy. Says she, <laughs> then she says... She's frustrated against all mankind because no man wants her. Says Bubba will put her in her place until Magnum TA shows up. Cornette yells she will be taken care of before the bashes. So I had to throw this in there just because Cornette is the insult king. Uh, Dr. G, any thought on this little brief interaction between Baby Doll and Cornette that's going to kind of set up some of those uh, mixed tag matches at the bash? All I could say is wow. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Fat, fat pig. <laughs> I mean, just the things that he says is uh, this is why he's gotten in trouble in his career. But it th- again, th- things were different in those days. Like, I don't think anybody even blink an eye, you know, like for good or for bad. I'm not, you know, criticized just like, wow. Um, but again, it makes you, it makes you want to see the guy's ass get kicked. Right. I mean, He's such a, a pompous, you know, like that's, that's, he did his job. He brought, he, he made people want to come out and see his butt get kicked. And that's again, why I loved this era of wrestling, uh, especially for the NWA, because it thinks it seemed real. You were, you, they, you bought into all this with baby yeah. doc and Jim Cornette and yeah. just, I mean, he, he meant he was, he was pretty harsh. I mean, he was, and we have another in, in episode fifty-two when we talk about the second half of June. I think there's probably even a better one. That not even the meanest fire. thing he says in this promo. <laughs> it's yeah, really it's a whole lot meaner yeah. Enough. next one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Schiff, what do you what do you think of this quick kind of blip on the radar promo here between Baby Doll and Cornette? Where the hell is uh, Warlord at? If he's supposed to be a protector, he was here for the two weeks. Like, what the shit, man? I, 
Uh, you know what? I think he brings him in, and he's like on uh, one of the syndicated shows. I don't know if he's actually live in studio yet. So, but it was just amazing. You and speaking of people, you want to see get their ass beat. You wanted to see Cornette get his ass beat, and I I can't wait to Baby Doll just embarrasses him. By the way, I'm wrong. Warlord did show up on this episode. That is a great question. Where the hell was he? Because Magnum came in for the save, not the Warlord. So that's yeah, that's a good call out. Uh, Logan, anything to add to this? Uh, not not really. Corny Corny says his off color stuff that he always does, but uh, he was born for the, he was born for this era because uh, he definitely couldn't get get away with that uh, much later than this. So he was definitely in the right era uh, to start off with for sure to be in his kind of hot period. So uh, you know it, it was it was funny, but probably not for the right right reasons. <laughs> yeah. So on our next episode, we'll have more of uh, we'll, we'll have more of this even more uh, stuff with Cornette and Baby Doll. All right. So then we go to a Great American Bash report. Uh, they rattle off the matches that'll happen during the tour. Magnum comes out and he reluctantly agrees to finally surrender the U.S. title belt to Crockett. Ivan Koloff comes out and gripes about having a best of seven series when they have a number one contender and a vacant belt. He demands the belt for Nikita and Magnum <laughs> hits Ivan with it and takes off. Um, I thought <laughs> it was a pretty damn good belt shot, actually. Gave it last. As Tony just said, Tony just says, seriously, things like that happen when you try to take things from people. <laughs> Ivan calls Tony out on his smug bullshit. This this was actually some pretty good shit. Shit, what'd you think of this? I I really enjoyed it. Like Magnum, just like pie faced Ivan. Ivan like goes down. I thought Ivan was gonna fight back, but he's like when he falls down, he's like a turtle on his back, and he's like can't get up. And it was pretty funny. But, I was a, but it was funny as hell. But that belt shot was pretty damn good. It was tight. It was stiff. It was good. Yeah, I love that he's refused. Like he had refused to give up the U.S. title until now. Like. My man's had it like for a week and a half, and it's just like, no, I'm I'm gonna give it up on my own time. Um, but you know, we, we're gonna have a six man tag title in a cage match, so like they're loading up like the Great American Bash tour with some you know a lot of gimmick matches, which we'll see if it burns out burns out everything. But you know, we have an Indian strap match as well, so it's it's a lot of these matches going. Yep, Logan, any thoughts on this segment with the Bash report? Yeah, as a TA uh, does a pretty good job of uh, laying in some good shots in this one. He laid the one in good for uh, Geigel, and then <laughs> belt shot is pretty stiff uh, on Ivan. So uh, yeah, good good stuff from TA here. And uh, yeah, he trusts he trusts Jim Crockett, so that's why he gave him the belt. So he didn't want to give it to anybody else because he didn't trust anybody else. But uh, yeah, good stuff from TA here for sure. How'd that trust in Jim Crockett work out at the end of uh, 1988? <laughs> anyway, we're not there yet. I guess I shouldn't say that. All right, Dr. G, Dr. G, what do you think on the, of this little brief? I thing? agree with Logan. Uh, the TA stuff, again, uh, I've gained so much more respect for him and, and just the, um, you know, the way he, his, the buildup that he's doing and um, just that edge that he has. And I didn't realize he had that edge. You know, I, I don't remember that at that time, um, but I'm loving it. All right. And um, so that closes out um, actually the WCW uh, that will cover um, the NWA Crockett era uh, through June 14th on our next episode. We will cover off on the second half of June. Um, but we're going to jump right into our territory spotlight. And it would not be a Logan Crossland guest spot if it wasn't a Japan match. And it wasn't really planned. Logan. It just happened to fall into you know, this match is on June 12, 1986. I randomly put something in the Google machine, and this came up. It's Tenru versus the Super Strong Machine, which kind of confused me a little bit because the only machines I remember were from um, 
not too far off from his time where it was Andre and a couple other guys that went by the machines in the WWF. But anyway, so I, some, some background on this. So this is from June 12th, 1986. This is from Japan. Um, Super Strong Machine, I guess, basically has been around since 1978. And he's held multiple tag team titles with different partners in the late 80s. Uh, the, this gimmick did indeed inspire all the machines that came out in the WWF in 86. So that answers that question. This match is for a title I'd never even heard of the NWA United National Championship. The title has been around since 1971, and it's been held by folks such as Harley Race, Dick Murdoch, Ted DiBiase, and Abdullah the Butcher, among others, and eventually became part of the famous Triple Crown Championships in Japan, which uh, I believe happened uh, much later. So the match is very clipped, and we only get five minutes, so I didn't even rate this, but um, a couple of notes on here. I thought it was a nice insecurity by Tenru, super strong, had a nice close on the outside and top rope dive to the floor. Uh, machine had a really great uh, pile driver on a table that doesn't break and looked really disgusting. Um, there was an awesome hanging German by Machine, and the Machine misses a head dive. There's an Insiguri kick to the face by Tenru. Then Machine hits an, an, an Insiguri. The end comes on a power slam, small package reversal by Tenru. Uh, very hard to rate, uh, very clip, but honestly, guys, I would have loved to watch more because I thought the five minutes we got here was pretty good stuff. So, Dr. G, I'll go to you first. What do you think of this? Very clip match, uh, but you know, kind of cool segment here, which I thought for five minutes worth of watch was pretty decent, um, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, uh, it actually, you know, when I first saw it at first, you know how I love <laughs> the Japanese. Well, I know stuff. all three, all three of you sons of bitches hate Japan matches, but that's but okay. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It actually wasn't that bad. I, I kind of enjoyed it. I don't know who the super. I think a super strong machine was some other Japanese wrestler, but I think that whole thing with the machine started over in Japan. I think the WWE. Yeah, it started. He, he, he's, he inspired that. Like they, they even said when I read up on it, he's the reason they came up with the gimmick. I just love how they have like the trophies and the belts and the, you know, (laughs) they like really get into this whole ceremony thing, you know, like, um, you know, before and after matches, but, uh, no, I I thought it was, I thought it was a pretty good match. I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, if I had to rate it, I probably would have went like, you know, 2.5, you know, it was pretty good. I would have liked to, you know, you've seen some more, which I can't believe I'm saying that, but yeah, I mean, I probably would have gone 2.5 too. Like if this were like a Mm -hmm. 10 to 15 minute match versus like one of those 25 minute marathons like Japan likes to do, I probably would have been okay with it. Uh, Logan, what'd you think? No, I'd definitely go – if I gave it a rating two, I'd go two and a half. Uh, it was a pretty good match. I thought it was really fast-paced. Um, I, I, You know, I would have liked to have seen it go a little bit longer as well. The pile driver on the table on the outside was absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Um, and then I'm surprised uh, – I feel like Tenru was one of their big guys at this point, so I kind of surprised he took as much offense as he did. He kind of got his ass kicked the whole match and then kind of escaped with the win, so – um, I, that was that surprised me a little bit, but I, I enjoyed it for the the little bit we got for sure. So that's the key: five minute Japan matches. <laughs> quick, 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 quick! Quick five <laughs> minutes. Make sure it falls to the walls, and you'll be okay. Not not thirty five minute Martell Flair matches, right? That's that's the no no. A hundred percent. All right, Shift. Uh, close out this episode. What'd you think of this match? I enjoyed this as well. I I would would have went three stars. Um, you guys mentioned everything I legit had written down. The pile driver on the table was awesome, and I love that beautiful German uh, suplex from Machine. Oh my God, that was a thing of beauty. Um, and I love the ending, but um, I, I was really digging this match. I wish I I wish I saw more, which is a shocker coming from me. Yeah, I actually looked to see if there was a longer version of this match online, and there was not. So, um, but you know what? It made me at least I found a, a Japan match that you guys liked, so I guess that's a win. Um, so anyway, that closes us out and. 
you know, kind of like when I said when we reformatted this, um, it was going to be a little short, a little quicker, a little, you know, jumping in, and I think it flowed pretty good. So um, on our next episode, we will jump into June 21st um, through the end of June, and that'll close us out for June real quick, and then we'll have July next month. So before we go, uh, Logan, since you are our guest star tonight, anything you would like to plug? Uh, Highway to the Impact Zone. We're uh, about to do the Genesis uh, 2005 episode of that. Uh, we get a big uh, debut on that pay-per-view, so I'm really looking forward to watching that one with you guys, um, or the guys that are on that show. You, uh, you are you are one of those people. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, I do the both salads, uh, popcorn and wrestling chicken salad. Uh, those are always a good time. Uh, but just check out all the pods, all the feeds. Everybody's putting out great stuff right now. All right, Scott. Yeah, just check uh, as Logan said. Check out all the pods here um, on the No So Feed. Check out uh, Seven Seven Months of Danger, which is myself, uh, Sean Logan, Matt Souza, and uh, Jake Jake Williams for our special uh, pay per views and Clash of the Champions. It's, we're going over the um, formation and the run of the Dangerous Alliance. It's been a nice little um, eye opening experience for me because I'd watched some of it, but not as the in depth as we're taking. Uh, so check that out and just check out everything else. And that can be found on Twitter at Scott underscore shifflet. All right, Dr. G. Gonna plug that Trevor Murd at Trevor Murdoch Federation. Oh, your, your, your favorite, your favorite champion. Uh-huh. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can listen to me and the uh, podfather himself, uh, Scott Criscolo, uh, every uh, Saturday with the NWA Saturday special where we cover uh, the current NWA. Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, some, some, some ugly these days, unfortunately. But you know, we're, we're getting there. We'll see. We'll see as we work towards the next pay per view. But uh, it drops, uh, you know, every morning at 9 a.m. Have a little coffee, listen to to us break down the new NWA, and um, you know, maybe we'll uh, get some more people to uh, support the uh, the new NWA so we could uh, get better champions. What do you think about that? <laughs> I, I, I I did support them. And then Billy Corrigan's booking is taking me out. I'm still listening. I'm still trying to pay attention, but it's 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 gotten hard for me. I'm just being honest. It's gotten hard, but nah. Um, listen, listen. The the honeymoon period's over, I guess. Right? You know. Yep. Yep. It is. But anyway, so as far as me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at NWA Crack and Roll. Um, honestly, the things I I mean, the, my two main pods now are this this show and. Um, Scott brought up the seven months of danger, which Logan is also on with us, uh, to do that podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, and really what inspired that show was kind of this show. Um, but it was more of a short run where really they're only together for seven months and it was really easy to go back and track and it's really a nice 20, 21 to 22 episode kind of mini series where we really track their matches, their promos, the angles and, um, I believe as of this episode, uh, episode number four will drop uh, the Sunday after you hear this episode. So really give it a listen if you haven't listened uh, from a time commitment standpoint. Um, it's usually an hour to 90 minutes per episode, and it's literally only going to last for 20 to 20, a little maybe over 20 episodes. But um, we've really had a good time doing it. We've discovered a lot of things um, that we may have forgotten, like, Maybe some things we'd like to forget, like Firebreaker Chip and the Patriots and Pia News. And the good news about that podcast is, is Dangerous Alliance. Not only, we focus only on the Alliance, but it also gives you a flavor of 92 WCW, which is unfortunately why we've discovered the Patriots again. But anyway, it's a really fun pod. 
um, similar to this one. Um, but again, these these pods are really time frame based, and for me, that's really what I love to do. So that's my two main pods. Um, I still jump in on Impact when I can. Um, I'll be on the Genesis show, so I'm super excited to be able to do that with you guys. Um, and, and also on YouTube Roulette, um, I jump in when I can as well. So as far as the pods, as many as I was on, I've really peeled peeled that back a little bit. So um, so anyway, guys, that's it. Uh, real quick before we go, one last time, uh, Dr. G, what did you think of everything we watched on this show tonight? You know what? It's stuff is heating up. I love the Oli stuff. Uh, having Oli back, and again, I, I I I do love Barry as a horseman, but the original horsemen, I still think they're the best. Um, I mean, people may argue with me on that, but argue with, with me on that. But I I think when Oli's on, Oli is 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 a great fourth horseman. But unfortunately, he you know he was getting towards the end of his career at this time. Yeah, we got a little short run um with Oli left um at this point in time i mean almost a year but not quite yet and a lot of things happen with Oli over the course of that year too which will be really cool to track uh shift any final thoughts on what we watched tonight um it definitely seems like the march to the great american bash tour is in full gear we got you know start the best of seven coming up uh flair and the horsemen saying that they're going to you know, that this is the Dusty Rhodes retirement year of 1986. Um, I'm interested to see where everything goes. And we still got a week left. And uh, Logan, uh, last but not least, and Logan will also be joining us on the second part of June to close out June with us. But Logan, any thoughts on this first half of June before we go? No, yeah, I think the Horsemen, they all killed it, especially the Andersons. Uh, just great promos uh, across both weeks. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm, haven't been through this whole process with y'all, but I would be super excited to get to the, uh, July and the great American bash tour and all that stuff that it entails. Uh, so this got me excited to get to that point for y'all. Uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed all of what we talked about. Uh, even though some of it might've been slightly uncomfortable. (laughs) There is one day uh, rock and roll express, definitely uncomfortable for sure. Uh, all right. Well, that's it. So that's the first half of June. Uh, we will be back in two weeks where we will close out the month of June and the final build to the Great American Bash. So we will see everybody then. Thanks, everybody. Twitter and the monkey man were hard up for cash. They stayed up all night selling cocaine and hash.
Never saw them when they fell 